2: Hello, everybody. I'm Jim Shannon. And I'm Mike Hyatt. And this is The Bourbon Road. And today, Mike, once again, outside of
1: Shelbyville, we're on the road. We are. We uh, drove over to Frankfort, Kentucky. This is the capital of Kentucky. Really the heart of bourbon country, really. Right here. Yeah, it is. It is. And we are in a special place, a really beautiful, I would say, a Victorian mansion uh, from the 1800s. Um, right near the Kentucky River. I mean, I could probably throw a stone to it right here, um, which is super special to, to me as a bourbon nut, right? Um, but just a stone's throw from the Kentucky capital right up the hill here where some laws have just been passed about bourbon that made me really happy. But this building we're sitting in right here is home to the Kentucky Distillers Association. We got two uh, beautiful ladies on with us today that make the KDA happen.
2: We are so glad you were able to join us today. We're excited. This is something we've been wanting to do for a while. And uh, I'm so glad we get to do it, especially on a beautiful day in the capital of Kentucky. Ladies, why don't you take a minute and introduce yourselves to our listeners?
3: Sure. Thank you. I'm Colleen Thomas. I am the vice president of operations here at the Kentucky Distillers Association. And, uh, I think I'm going to add that tagline to my my my, my introduction from now on. I make the, the bourbon things happen. Oh, that's a great
2: one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always thought I had a perfect face for radio. So thank you for confirming that. <laughs> uh, my name is Mandy Ryan. I am the director of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail.
2: Awesome. Well, it's great to have both you ladies on the show today. I think we're going uh, to get into some whiskey pretty quick here because that's what we do. <laughs> But soon after we start tasting this whiskey, we're going to start diving into what you guys do and what you have done and, and all the great things about the KDA.
1: I thought we were going to get Maddie to sing to us because I heard she's <laughs> one great bluegrass singer.
0: I'd have to have a couple more glasses, I think. <laughs> she
3: is. That or just get her upstairs, rearranging the bottle room or alphabetizing all our member bottles.
0: She'll just be singing away. yeah. you Loretta play guitar Lave too? Uh, I should play the mandolin the mandolin. my real name is a mandolin. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Isn't that pretty? But I have zero ability to play an instrument.
1: <laughs> well, Mike, you've poured something on a glass. I do. I, You know, you, the KDA has certain distilleries, and we're both kind of from Louisville area, right? Um, Colleen's from Louisville. We know that. So I brought a bottle of Old Forster 1910 here, Old Fine Whiskey. How could you not love something like this? Um, very beautiful expression. And it actually has a tie from what you ladies told me to this table right here.
0: Yeah. Um, so if you've ever heard of Longwood Antiques, um, George Gatewood makes the best furniture in the state of Kentucky. Uh, I would put put my own money on that statement. Um, so this table he built just for us. The top is made out of um Old Forester, he calls it his whiskey wood. So when Old Forester on Main Street had the fire, uh, came out of there. So as you can see in the middle, there's the big charred area. Um, so that's that's where I sit, so I can get closest to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the legs are uh, came out of Maker's Mark, one of the warehouses that came down there. And then the supporting beam uh, came out of a horse farm where several Derby winners were studded.
2: Wow, a lot of history yeah. in this table. That's so. This this large charred burn mark in the table—that's mm-hmm. actually from the fire. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's
1: amazing history.
2: Yes. So that was around
1: 1920ish. The fire was.
0: I don't know that actually. Do you? This would I think yeah. it's I thought it
3: was the fire from just several years that's, ago. That's what I okay. thought. When it was the actual um, it wasn't old Forster yet. They were constructing and it it caught fire down there on mm-hmm. uh, West Main Street in Louisville. Oh, mm-hmm.
1: well, I was thinking it was from when the bottling line burned up. Yeah, and they had, that's where the 1910 came yes, from when they sir. had to, all the barrels.
2: They had to move the whiskey out of the barrels and
1: rebarrel it. Yeah. And that's where the first double-barreled whiskey. You can see where my mind was going yeah. to? Yeah.
3: <laughs> Segway. Yeah. Well,
1: heck, let's try some of this. All, right. all right, great.
0: You have a personal connection to Brown Foreman, don't you? Well, Um, I do. So my mom
3: worked at Brown Foreman. She was one of the first tour guides ever there. And she also worked under Lincoln Henderson. And she would set up his tastings in the lab for him, for his organoleptic tastings and things like that. So, um, yeah, she was there for a really long time. And it's funny. I tell her stories now. And these are all people she worked with so long ago. And she'll tell me, like, the real the real story behind the characters, you know? And then my stepdad was also, he was the CEO there for a very long time. So Old Forster was his go-to. Every night he came home, Old Forster on the rocks every night. So.
1: so you have that memory burnt into your yeah. mind of that Old Forrester, that that smell of bourbon that just is beautiful, right?
3: Yes, yes. When I was, when I, and my mom was very strict about this, but when I was became 21, she finally told me, honey I, i'm gonna sit you down and teach you how to drink this whiskey <laughs> she just said it's just it was time you know <laughs> no more mixing it with this or just doing it this way you're gonna learn it you're gonna respect it and i and i did and i really i mean i have way more appreciation for it now with a, f- a few more years on me but <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you so you had tasted it before then though
3: I may have. There may have been some <laughs> some really unfortunate, but at the time, awesome uh, college dorm situations. Maybe a few parties.
2: I think we all have a story
1: like that. I
0: don't oh, think my I kids heck, yeah. are listening to this podcast right now, but who knows? <laughs>
1: Now, what about you, Mandy? Do you remember that first, the first experiences of bourbon?
0: Mm, Well, I came from a teetotaling family, so (laughs) there was no alcohol consumption for me until after I graduated college. Actually, I went to Asbury University and I had to sign the document that said I would not drink, so I did not. (laughs) But um, I quickly learned to love bourbon. As soon as I graduated, I met people. I mean, you live in Kentucky. It's hard not to fall in love with the heritage and everything about bourbon. So, yeah, it was an easy transition.
2: That's, that's, that's all in. Mm-hmm. You're all in.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just that's what's so beautiful about it.
3: You think about how many hands touch bourbon in the, in the production process. It's just it's so incredible. There's it's just such when people say crafted, I know that's an overused term. But I mean, so many hands touch this product and just to get it to the end and what it takes. I mean, really, it's an all natural product, right? There's only so many variables we can control. And we've tried everything, not we as a me, but I mean, we, this industry, we've tried everything to control as much as we can.
2: They still try.
3: They do. They, you know, <laughs> we're doing things in the lab. We're doing things. There's just research and, and just all this. And there's a lot of progress. But at the end of the day, it's still up to Mother Nature. What's going to happen with this product? We can't add anything to it except itself or water. And you know, I can buy this bottle of old Forster here and it has to taste the same as the bottle of old Forster that I buy in two years from now in another state, in another country. And that's really, when you consider it, that's really pretty it's pretty magical, I think. Yeah, it's I mean, pretty there's amazing. just yeah. And there's just so there's just, I mean, not a lot of, not a lot of hands are touching vodka, you know, there's not a lot going on there. There's not a lot of this just has such a culture and a, and, a, and a history to it. And I think that's what really draws us in.
2: Now, Mike, I'm going to say the Old Forester 1910 was our whiskey of the year three years ago. It was. And you're right. It does taste exactly the same as I remember it, anyway, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, that's one of the things that Old Forester does very well is that consistency in production. I think a lot of the companies do that, but Old Forester kind of, uh, when I think about what Old Forster does really well, it's holding the profile.
1: Yeah, they, I think they, you're right. They do do that. Um, their master taster there, Jackie's Ican, has that that palette for it too. And we know for a fact that she's not just a figurehead there. She actually gets in and gets dirty. Uh, she likes to taste a lot of whiskey in one day (laughs) (laughs) her clothes will be just uh look like she robbed a a rickhouse right which is which is cool to me that shows that the very top of the company is getting into the weeds there and making sure the product is good um i think that's good you know you're telling your uh story about your stepdad drinking old forester you know and that's the stuff I like to hear that he believed in his product. You know, he didn't go in and, oh, I'm going to make this. But, you know, I got to have this to drink, too.
3: I think that's I think that's very true about a lot of brands. I mean, I'll tell you, even today, Chris Morris has a Woodford everywhere he goes. I mean, anytime I'm with him, it's just it's just they become it's just so much a part of them. And I'll tell you, my, my stepdad passed several years ago and we at his funeral at his request, we all had a shot of Old Forrester. It was the best bourbon for the value is what he always said. <laughs> so,
1: you know, uh, Mandy, you were talking about having to sign that teetotaler paper. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't I,
0: know that. Dancing, smoking, drinking, it was all foreboding.
1: <laughs> I went to interview one time uh, when I was in the army for this uh, unit called the old guard. And the old guard is stationing, at arlington virginia and they take care of the tomb of the unknown soldier um they do a lot there they do burials at arlington national cemetery but before you join that you have to sign a piece of paper said you wouldn't drink i got through the whole thing and i really went there to take care of horses coming off a, a ranch i knew about horses i understood them and that's why they wanted me to go up there and interview for the position but as soon as we got to that part about hey um you're going to have to give up drinking for four years. I was like, I don't know. I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't love those horses that much.
3: Wow. What's the correlation there? Is it just a discipline? <clears throat> I think it is to, mm-hmm.
1: to say you're going to commit your life for those four years or two years or how long you're at the old guard for mm-hmm. to doing that. It, yeah. it takes a lot out of a person. You know, you can't be hung over uh, and, and, f- the rain the snow the sleet oh, wow. walking back and forth and stuff uh, burying people you needed to be at your highest point at all times mm-hmm. um and rightly so right um, your honor and fall fallen there I, I I look back on it I wish I could have did it you know but <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah I got to take some taste some great whiskey in that four years though <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, let's take a minute and talk a little bit about the KDA and its beginnings. So, how long has the KDA been in existence?
3: So, the KDA actually began back in 1880 in Louisville, Kentucky, when distillers got together uh, down at the Gold House and realized they could get more done working together than by standing apart. And back then, they were fighting uh, unfair taxation. Today we're pretty much doing the same thing. One hundred forty-two years later, uh, not not much has changed. A lot has changed, but uh, you know, back then I, I think, and and not up till quite recently, you know, this was considered a sin industry, and uh, we've done a lot of work in in the past ten years um, with our president Eric Gregory at the helm to change that conversation in in Frankfurt and and, and frankly in Washington D.C. as well that. Uh, We're now a a signature industry of this state, and uh, the lawmakers they understand, you know, this is a nine billion dollar economic engine for the state. I mean, with the jobs that 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 are we've got a we've got a distillery in forty of our counties. So that's generating local and state taxes for that, for those counties, we've got, you know, 22,500 good paying jobs. If you think about it, and here's what's so great about Kentucky, and here's why we will until the day I die, hail Kentucky as the one true and authentic home for bourbon. Every major spirits company in the world has either a headquarters or a distillery here in order to have a Kentucky bourbon in their portfolio. And that's if you really stop to think about it, that's pretty and that's pretty impressive.
2: That is very impressive. So 1880 until 2022 what is it 142 years? Yeah, yeah wow. Wow, 142 years. I imagine there was a pause in the middle. Mm-hmm. Called prohibition.
3: Yeah, we like to we like to pretend like that never even happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're the oldest trade association in the country. Um, we're older than zippers yep. in thirteen states, mm-hmm. and there's a whole long list that Eric could rattle off if he were here right now. <laughs>
3: wow.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the mission, uh, then
3: and now, is to passionately and responsibly uh, protect. Uh, promote and elevate the Kentucky Signature Bourbon and Distilled Spirits industry. And we do that by uniting the industry and uniting. We've got 50 members, which represent 73 Kentucky operations here in the state. So, Wow.
2: That's a pretty good-sized membership.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it is. So uh,
2: some of those members have been members since the beginning?
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and also, you know, there were so many Acquisitions and things sure, when you look sure. pre-prohibition, post-prohibition, it, and things like that. But down the line, and a lot of the actual uh, operations, like the physical distilleries, which have may have changed hands several times, are still the same physical distilleries that represent. Sure. So it's too. kind
2: of transferable. <laughs> <laughs> and they still pay their dues through prohibition, right? Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> it's just so cool looking through all of our old minute books uh, and seeing you know, Shapira and beam and Russell, and just going back a hundred years, it's it's just awesome to see that that is still being perpetuated today. And they're the same names that you come here to see.
2: That's amazing. And so what, I mean, in a, in a nutshell, in a sentence, I mean, what is the mission of the KDA primary mission?
3: Well, you know, what pays the bills and what really moves the needle is our lobbying efforts. And I know lobbying isn't a, always a great word. Um, but, but that's what we do. We fight for our industry. So we make sure we fight every day, or we go up every day. We actually we, we don't fight. We work with our legislators to really, we just try to overturn and update some of the archaic alcohol laws that are still on the books. And most of them affect spirits. So when we're in, when we're in, up at the Capitol and we are asking for a new law or a law to change, we're not asking for anything special. We're asking for parity with beer and wine, things that beer and wine already have. We're just asking for the same thing. We don't want anything special. So, and I I think that's really important to understand. Um, It, you know, a lot of these laws still hinder the growth of the industry. They hinder jobs, jobs. so we really, we really work for, in the best interest of of the alcohol industry, mm-hmm. as, and, and
0: specifically spirits. Yeah, anything our members ask us to do, we do it.
1: Yeah, you guys always put out a lot of facts too. You're not just for the distilleries; you're for the consumer too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that are coming to do a bourbon pilgrimage to Kentucky. Um, people come every year <clears throat> to Kentucky, but you want to know, let them know. What the bourbon's made of, right? I'm looking at boards behind us that say, <laughs> "Hey, this is what it takes to make just one barrel of bourbon: nine bushels of corn and three bushels of other corn." That starts at the farmland, right? Um, I we see- have,
3: I'm sorry, we have one of the biggest. Uh, this industry is one of the biggest biggest spinoff factors in the state. So, if you think about the 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 industries that we affect, it's manufacturing, it's farming, manufacturing, construction. There are so, you know, you think about music construction, which is down in Bartstown. They build almost all of the rick houses you see across the state. Think of Vendome, Copper and Brass down in Butchertown and Louisville. They are what, they are the biggest distilling um equipment manufacturer in the country. The four generation company down there. So it, it just really has and, and then the farmers what is it like 70% of the grain we use, the corn we use, comes from Kentucky farms. Yeah,
0: 75 now.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're trying to keep up. Wow. Right? So, there's a huge spin off factor.
1: Yeah, a lot of industry there that goes into just making that one bottle of bourbon. Yeah. Um, A lot of people put into that. You know, you wonder how many hands are in this one bottle right here. That's
3: why I told you that's the best part of the story.
1: Pretty beautiful, right? (laughs) Yeah. And people that believe in that, starting from the farmer, he most of them know, hey, that's where my grains going. Uh, Right in Baghdad, Kentucky, right down road from us. You know, they're they're pretty proud that their uh, product goes to wild turkey. Yeah. Uh, They're really really proud of that. Um, And the farmers we meet. It, you know, in a local bar we go to, they're like, oh, my corn. I grew corn for wild turkey or uh, for four roses. That's where my corn goes to.
3: It's really kind of a badge of honor because we, t- we talk to a lot of farmers and we've got relationships with them. But, yeah, it is a badge of honor. And then the spent grains on the other side that come out at the end go back to a lot of these farmers for the the ca- beef cattle industry. So,
2: Yeah, so glad to see that. And, and it seems everywhere we go, they're doing that. They've got a program in place to return the spent mash. Back to the
1: farmers yeah some even have it on the back of back of the trailer that hauls the grain feeding cattle sense. <laughs> some, some yeah yeah <laughs>
3: 1883.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's that that wagyu beef. I'd call it whiskey beef.
3: Oh, I like uh, it.
1: See, yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's all tender and delicious and relaxed. Yeah, happy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so with the, with a primary mission of rolling back some of the archaic laws, many of which, most of which, came as a result of prohibition. Um, a lot of those you're trying to roll back and return to a. Uh, a place i guess in your words uh, parity with wine and beer you want to at least be where they are yeah and not be set aside as is as that uh, as that one beverage that doesn't get equal shares
3: exactly yeah
2: so what are some of the challenges you've had in the past let's say 10 or 12 years that you've been able to have great success with
3: Well, you know, like I said, it's, it's about 10 years ago, we were a sin industry and they were looking to put another tax hike on the bourbon industry because that's, that's what's what you do, right? Cigarettes, bourbon, or not bourbon, alcohol, uh, spirits. And, um, you know, that's when I think our, our, our industry kind of woke up and said, wait a minute, this, this is going to just keep happening. We've got to do something and we've got some work to do, but I'll tell you, um, uh Kentucky is the only place that taxes aging barrels. So we're drinking, I don't know how old this this old Forester is, but let's six to eight years all old. All right, six to eight years old. So those barrels, those eight-year-old barrels, those six-year-old barrels that have been sitting there are taxed every year. We're the only place in the world that still does this. Um it's a discriminatory tax, but it goes for good things. So it's super complicated. Um, but we were able to um Get that tax to be partially refundable so long as it was reinvested back into the business. So that helped a lot. Um it you know, it was it was a it was a big win at the time, but we we'd like a bigger win now. but uh, back in about two thousand sixteen, we passed Senate bill eleven and what we talked about, they need sexier names than the Senate bill eleven. So I want you to imagine going to Napa Valley or up to Huber's or something like that, to a winery. And you can't, you can you can take the tour, you can learn about the wine, but you can't buy a glass of wine at that winery. You can buy a bottle and a t-shirt and you can go. Or you go downtown to a really cool craft brewery and you can learn all about it, but you can't buy a pint of beer or a hamburger for, for that matter. That's how it was at our distillery visitor centers. You could take your tour you could learn everything. You get your little tasting of one ounce total, which was a lot of times what a quarter ounce pour of four different expressions. And if you think of a place like Jim Beam, that makes an, inf- an infinite amount of <laughs> expressions. That was it. You get your t-shirt, you can buy some bottles, and you were out the door.
2: And this was just 2016.
3: This was in tw- before 2016. So Cinnabill 11 allowed distilleries to start being able to sell buy the drink. So they could sell cocktails. They could sell uh, just the straight pours. They could have restaurants. But that meant they were also able to engage the consumer and teach them how to use this product and how they recommended to use this product. They could have cocktail classes. They changed the entire experience for someone coming to this distillery, someone from out of state or just a local, to learn and, and just have fun and be able to take something home with them and, and and learn a new skill or just something different that they could do at the home and with friends and things like that. It was huge. We actually had some distilleries that were in the middle of construction being built that changed their architectural plans to accommodate uh, a bar or a cocktail area or something like that, because now it went from, oh, you're there for 90 minutes to I could spend an afternoon here. I mean, you think about a place like Jeff the Creed where you can go and they would have live music on Friday and Saturday nights. I mean, you could never do that before then. So it really changed the landscape of, of tourism in Kentucky. It really started revolutionizing and making bourbon tourism just one of the number one drivers of tourism here. In Kentucky. It was, it was, I, when I do a slideshow on this, like when I do a presentation, like that slide is always like really sparkly because it's magical. I mean, it really changed the landscape of everything.
1: Well, speaking of Jim Beam, we did bring a Jim Beam product with us. Um, we brought a 15-year-old Knob Creek to try. <laughs>
0: I might oh, have apologize. poured Mandy a
1: really big pour.
0: you poured me a lot. <laughs> I just <laughs>
3: And by the way, we are we are sipping this out of the official Kentucky Bourbon Trail tasting glass. And maybe you want to tell a little bit about how why we use this glass and yeah, how it came to be.
0: Sure. So uh, I think it was about eight years ago, um, we worked with our master distillers to design the perfect glass for tasting bourbon in particular. Um, Everybody knows other glasses that uh, are used commonly for, say, Irish whiskey or Scotch whiskey, but we thought that that glass was not perfect for every bourbon Um, so we developed this one libby produces it for us Uh, it has a little base at the bottom and a flared lip but the opening is wider than most uh, whiskey glasses that you're familiar with they're also more sturdy they're stackable which food service people really like Uh, they tend not to break in the dishwasher So, yeah, we love this glass. You can put a cocktail in here. It's big enough for that. Uh, It's great for a rock or several rocks or neat. Uh, it's very versatile. we love it. It's
2: kind and of a it, stemless tulip glass, right?
0: It is. It's
3: got, it's kind of bulbous. It's kind of fat. And then kind of, you know, narrows just slightly at the top. I, let me explain this R and D to make this glass because <laughs> I was part of it. This is how bad our job is. It's terrible. <laughs> we're sitting at these tables. The first time we went, cause I think we'd had to do this like three different times. Cause you know, you got to get it right. And we were at Woodford reserve and we're talking, I mean, Chris Morris was there. Jimmy Russell was there. Um, Bill Samuels was there. I mean, everybody who's anybody in this industry was there. And we had nine different shapes of glasses stem, stemless, does it need, you know, all different shapes and sizes that were be, that were just custom created. And we just tasted and, and nosed bourbon out of them until we narrowed it down. And then they took some of the, the, the suggestions everyone gave. And then we came back together and did it again. I think it was at Jim Beam. Mm hmm. It took about three times and we finally
0: decided on this. But uh well, and yeah. in exact Jimmy Russell fashion, he was decisive, that one. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just get it done. Right? Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, it's so funny. So we were so Jimmy and I were at a table together, and he and I liked like you got to vote on your top three glasses. And he and I liked this one glass, and no one else at our table liked this glass. And so we're writing it down. He's like, "I don't understand why they don't like this glass. This is the this is the one." And I ran I ran into him. Uh, he came into Moonshine University to teach a class, and he pulled me aside in the kitchen. He was like, "I just don't understand why they didn't like that glass." I said, "I know, <laughs> Jimmy. I don't know what is happening." <laughs> Very well, passionate.
1: This right here is from the No family. Uh, for people that don't know, listeners out there, the No family are the Beams. Uh, Fred No and Freddie No uh, the master distillers at uh, Jim Beam right now um, but this 15 year old would be some of the oldest bourbon in Kentucky um,
2: and not Creek's known for being good. kind of a, an oaky kind of bold oaky bourbon it's not uh, it's not
1: gentle on your palate it's not going to be sugary either um, no, it's, It
2: it is kind of a caramel sweetness mm-hmm. but not overly sugary more of a a bold in your face true kentucky bourbon right it really this is, is good
1: now, stuff i always like to say that uh to make something like this in scotland would take 30 plus years um just to get it even this color might not even get this color um so that's something nice about this uh native of Sp- Period of America, right? Um,
3: well, I think there's a richness to it. You know, when you have the recipe, when you add that corn into the recipe, because Scotch, you're really working with a more one dimensional kind of, you know, grain mash bill, and so it has its own beautiful um, attributes. But this, you you bring in the corn, then you bring in the flavoring grain, you bring in the malt. I just feel like you you just have so much more richness going on.
2: Before we get it get on to the second half, we're going to continue sipping on this, but I'd like to ask you about. House Bill 400, which happened in 2018.
3: Is that right? Uh, there, at the direct-to-shipping? Yes. Yes. So that was 2020 and 2021. We They were both ironically named House Bill 400. Okay. One, one passed it, and the next one kind of enhanced it. Yes. Got it.
2: Okay. Uh, ask you a little bit about that. And uh, also the Vintage Spirits Act. What bill was that part of?
3: I believe that was... 2018 mm-hmm. uh that would be by 415 oh yeah just so each, we need better names <laughs>
2: each one of these is chipping away it's chipping away yes. and, and allowing us some freedoms with spirits that we haven't had in the past it would be great if you could just take a few minutes and walk us through those two so that uh our listeners can understand the kind of progress is being made in kentucky for their benefit
3: right and it's not like we're really breaking ground here i mean it's you know Vintage spirits are allowed in other states. Uh, well, she, well, D.C. is a really good example of the of vintage spirits. But really, it just means a vintage spirit is something that is no longer currently in distribution. So technically, a single barrel of bourbon, uh, you know, a, a, a four roses single barrel, once it's all sold, is technically a vintage spirit because it's no longer in distribution. Well, the vintage spirit law that passed allows um Consumers to sell their vintage, unopened vintage product either back to a distillery for sale or to a bar restaurant for sale.
2: Package stores, stores too, right?
3: Yes, and package stores. So now, they, they, it just puts them back in the system Now they don't have to go through the three tier system because they've already gone through the p- three tier system. They've already paid their taxes We've, the taxes have already been paid on those. So that it just allows those uh, it allows bars and restaurants to have these incredible whiskey libraries, the kinds that you see in New York, the kinds that you see in D.C. We can have that here now, which is really pretty incredible. And we do. Yeah.
2: And we do because yeah. so many people took advantage of that. It was such a, an epic change. And what you could find on the shelf in a restaurant and in a bottle shop, It's just amazing. Until that time, it was it was all black market shipping out of the state, you know. However, now that those liquors are staying in the state and people are able to, to enjoy them on their visits to the Kentucky Bourbon Trail.
3: Of course. I mean, why go to a place like D.C. to, you know, it, it's all right here. Um, so we should have something like that. So, yeah, it, it is really incredible. And then you asked about direct-to-consumer. So those two bills passed. And direct-to-consumer shipping is huge. It's, very, it's also very tricky and a little complicated. The reason being is we can only ship spirits to other states that have reciprocal spirits laws. So California can ship wine. They can't ship spirits. Yet, so we can't ship spirits to California. There's only about a dozen states in D.C. that you can that have reciprocal ship spirit shipping laws. But so, even
0: those states have all different rules, and it's really difficult to navigate right now. It
3: really is. Um, and there are companies um, that we work with, and uh, actually UPS has been great with the shipping, um, that kind of help navigate it. Because, you know, you have to ship to a wet territory. Well, UPS doesn't know— a wet territory in Rhode Island. They don't know whether it is or not. <laughs> so there's companies that that have, that are kind of real time figure that out at, at point of sale with their software, which is great. But what this this is one of our other big missions right now um, is is shipping and and helping the guilds and the legislators in other states understand how we wrote our law. And how it works so that they can pass similar laws in their states. And we're working really closely with California and New York right now. And when those two states open up, which we feel really strongly that they will, that's going to change. That's that's a huge game changer for everyone involved.
2: So if someone visits the bourbon trail and they go on a distillery tour, let's say they go on six distillery tours Mm -hmm. and they on each one of those distillery tours, they'd like to buy a bottle to represent that visit. What are their options?
3: They can take it with them. They can ship it home if they live in a place, wet territory, in a reciprocal state, and everything lines up. That's why I said it's a little complicated. Um, Let's say you live in Kentucky, though, and you live in um, Bowling Green, and you come to Bardstown, and you buy two bottles at every stop, and you can have those shipped in Kentucky. That's so, you can have those shipped home, and you're not carrying them around because you've got other places to go. That's just
0: your guaranteed. Um, you can check bottles in your luggage too. Up yes. to so many, though. Yeah. Right? You yes. can't carry them on the plane, but you can check them. Yeah. And it has to be less than 140 proof, which is usually pretty safe.
1: You're usually pretty good, except yeah. maybe that Elijah Craig down there at the <laughs> end. <election.
0: laughs> I don't know. I've,
1: I've, I think I had eight bottles in one suitcase
2: before. <laughs> Did <you? laughs> Well, I really appreciate you taking time to to kind of walk us through that. People always want to know when they come to the trail, you know, what can they do? Can they take whiskey home with them? Can they buy it at the distilleries? You know, in addition to having a drink poured for them, can they also buy a bottle and get it home somehow? Yeah. It looks like there's options there. Well, there's options there for everybody. But certainly there are some very
1: easy options there for some people. Yes. So on the second half, Jim, we'll talk about private barrel selections. We're going to talk about the KDA's field guide. Um, And what you get with that field guide, which is very important. We'll talk about the craft distillery tour, which is something new kind of KDA for people that haven't been here in a while. Um, We'll drink a little bit more burger.
0: Nice.
1: Sounds great. (laughs) Man, Jim, you know what I've really been enjoying lately? Oh, you're going to tell me. Some of that seldom seen farms maple syrup that's been aged in bourbon barrels. It is absolutely delicious, not only in a cocktail, but you can cook with it, right? You can. You absolutely
2: can. Now, Mike, Kevin just sent me a new shipment. So I got a little bit more. And I've been making some beef jerky lately. Really? Yeah. Now I know you're the meat master, <laughs> but but I I tried my hand at it. I said, you know, I want to make some beef jerky, and I've got a pretty decent beef jerky recipe, and it's got a little bit of soy sauce, a little bit of Worcestershire, a little bit of you know onion powder, garlic powder, those kind of things. But I always put brown sugar in it. Well, this time Kevin sent me a bottle of his granulated maple sugar. Wow. And I decided that I was going to substitute the maple sugar for the brown sugar. Oh, game changer. Let me tell you. Total game changer. Huh? Total game changer. Some of the best beef jerky you've ever had. So I'm going to make another batch here in, in about a week, and I'll
1: be sure to get you some. Man, that, that sounds delicious. Vivian took, and we just got an air fryer like most people got these days, right? And uh, she took and soaked fresh pineapple in that maple syrup and then put it in the air fryer and it kind of crisp up a little bit. Oh, sounds Uh, good. It was just magically delicious. Um, And people probably wonder why we love it so much. Kevin competed in the Maple Festival uh, last year, 2021, and he was named Grand Champion. Uh, That's saying something.
2: So, Seldom Seam Farms, Grand Champion, Of the 2021 Maple Syrup Festival.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's that's saying something. Yeah. You're going up against some heavy hitters in maple syrup. And I know we're we're talking about just the syrup, but, um, you know, that's something to be proud of. Uh, Hats off to you, Kevin, for winning that. Kevin's also uh, competing in a couple other competitions. Make sure you check out his website. Check out his social media on Instagram and Facebook. You won't be uh, disappointed. If you want to buy something from him where can they go jim
2: you can go to seldom maple.com and kevin and his crew they've got a great website very easy to navigate they've got all their products on there you can buy their maple syrup by the bottle you can buy by the case uh you can buy that sugar oh my goodness mike that stuff is so good uh, and they've got some other gift sets there too. So you definitely want to
1: check it out. Well, he, he's also going to be in some distilleries pretty shortly here. Um, some distilleries from that I love and I know you love. He's going to be down at Leaper's Fork. Um, you can find his syrup down there, aged in their barrels. Treaty Oak down in Dripping Springs, Texas. Um, I was just out there. His syrup's going to be there. Awesome. Um, and at Garrison Brothers in Texas. If you think that. Uh, you love some maple syrup? Make sure you go into Garrison Brothers and pick up a bottle from them. Also, uh, Kevin appreciated. Uh, I know he he loves people. You're supporting a local farmer, a local product, a small family. This is no factory place that's putting out maple syrup, right, Jim? This is a good man doing good work. Yeah, gotta love it. Well, make sure you check out his site, like Jim said. Seldomseenmaple.com. Pick up a bottle today. All right, listeners, we are back, and we're at the KDA. That's the Kentucky Distillers Association. And, of course, we've got some more whiskey in your glasses, ladies. Um, This time, I said I was pouring some Angel's Envy, but this is a um, store pick, a barrel pick, um, which brings us up to that new law, right? Um, This is actually out of uh, Cox's Evergreen. That's a big liquor store in Kentucky. Uh, they're all over the place.
2: They're um, everywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this one actually is about uh, 106.2 proof. My so we're goodness. stepping it up a notch.
3: I don't think I've ever had their, a barrel, a single barrel mm-hmm. from there. Mm-mm. I'm excited.
1: Yeah. yeah. You never had another barrel? No. Strength ones?
3: Bar- cast strength, yes. I've had that, but I've not had like a like a barrel pick before.
1: Well, this is one of my wife's favorite <laughs> bottles right here. She's probably gonna be mad that I opened this, but hey, let's <laughs> let's drink it. <laughs> cheers, <laughs>
3: cheers, ladies. Cheers! This is exciting.
0: Mm. You definitely get the sweetness from that port barrel. Oh yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's like uh, syrup, candy sweetness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This would make a super nice cocktail right here.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is that is actually really delicious. Mm-hmm. And Angels and Me, they have such a great story. I do like everything about this brand, so.
2: And you mentioned you had a tie back uh, to uh, Lincoln Henderson.
3: Well, yeah. So my mom, uh, when she worked at Brown Foreman, she used to work in the lab with Lincoln Henderson. And she would set up his organoleptic tastings. And then he would teach her about what he's doing, which I thought was, was really cool. Um, and then I know... Wes and his wife, Julie, because our kids went to school together. So we're just, we're all Hendersons all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just one big family, you know, right here in Kentucky. I mean, we all know everybody.
2: Well, people from outside of Kentucky like to say one big family, don't they? <laughs> they, they do, but they
1: really don't understand Kentucky until you come here and experience it. Um, it's not a bunch of hillbillies here. You could never say that mm-hmm. until you come here and truly uh, take in what Kentucky is—the mm-hmm. Kentucky bluegrass, the the horse farms, uh, the racing scene here, yeah—and bourbon itself.
3: Well, and I think there's such a diversity to Kentucky that maybe people don't get to see. I mean, a, a we're all wearing shoes here, right? <laughs> but we have all our teeth. We have all our teeth. We're all wearing <laughs> shoes. But there's 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 a diversity that you don't always see, and when you come here um, to see. The distilleries on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail adventure, you know, you you get such it, it's it's so different from distilleries in Louisville to distilleries in Bardstown to distilleries in Lexington to uh, Western Kentucky and Owensboro and some of the smaller craft distilleries that are out in more rural areas. It is such a vast um just spectrum of, of people and places and scenery. It's just, it's really incredible. There's really something for everyone and everyone. I mean, everyone older, younger, um, diverse backgrounds, um, can, can find themselves here, see someone that looks like them here, which I think is, you know, a lot of people outside of Kentucky don't realize that.
1: Yeah. It's such a beautiful state all the way across. Um, and I like how you put it you brought tied it all into because if you were into the city scene or urban scene mm-hmm. Louisville's for you with bourbon mm-hmm. they've got plenty of distilleries there mm-hmm. yeah if you want the countryside come to Frankfurt and Lexington and you're going to get the countryside yeah if you want that small town feel middle America flyover state go to Bardstown
3: oh yeah Um,
1: you get a little bit of everything if you want super rural go to some of the craft
2: distilleries. Oh yeah. There's a lot of them that are that are off the beaten path a little bit. And and there's there's a couple of big ones that are off the beaten path like Maker's Mark.
3: Oh, absolutely. I don't even know if they have cell service there. <laughs> so bring an actual map because but once you get there, and you don't want to leave. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Maker's Mark is just a beautiful location set kind of sunken down in yeah. to a bowl there.
3: Um,
1: <laughs> I, I just I love it. We're actually going out there uh, on the 26th uh, to visit Denny Potter and Jane Bowie, and I just can't wait. Oh
3: it's wow! a great trip. Did Can a great go trip. With you? Yeah, what a what a <laughs> fun time. And Jane loved Denny, and and but Jane, man, she's got some stories.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're gonna dig them out.
3: We're gonna dig <laughs> yeah. them out.
0: She's got gonna have that some Nice husky voice. She's got that podcast voice. Yeah. She's ready.
2: Well, in the first half you kind of outlined some uh, the great work that you do <laughs> in promoting Kentucky bourbon and moving laws to a more favorable position for people in bourbon and people who enjoy bourbon one of the things we didn't get to in the first half was talking about the most recent accomplishment and apropos that we're sitting here drinking a single barrel right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Can we talk a little bit about house bill 500 and what you were able to accomplish with that?
3: So this was really exciting for us this year. We, we, in this past session, we passed house bill 500. And so those of you out there listening that have ever gone on a private barrel, barrel selection or have gone to your favorite store and purchased a, pri- a bottle of, of a private barrel selection, they were technically illegal until April. And I will be honest with you, nobody knew that. Um, it was something that the ABC kindly tapped us on the shoulder and said, you know, the way this is written, is not exactly permissive for this practice that we know has been going on. Can you guys fix this in the next legislative session? So, oh yeah, we're on that. But what we what we managed to accomplish in this past um, session is pass a bill that not only legalizes this very popular practice, um it also kind of changed a few things. So without getting too far in the weeds, but I know that you have listeners that like to do private barrel selections, for a consumer, and that is an unlicensed entity, so not a retailer um, or or a bar or a restaurant, but for a consumer, distilleries are allowed uh, to set aside thirty percent of their barrel picks for consumers. And those, and where you had to go through the rigmarole of the three tier, and you could only take this many, and then you had to come back and you had to go get this many, you could take the whole all the cases home with you that day. So. Depending on the program, you go there, you do your selection, you grab lunch, they put them in, they bottle it for you, you got the labels on, pack them in your truck, you drive away with them. And that is a big deal. So that, that was part of the provision. Then the other, there are a couple other really exciting uh, pieces that were added into this bill. And this was a compromise among retailers, distributors, and distillers. So this was such a great bill that all three entities came together to uh, to, to to pass this version of it. You satellite tasting rooms. So if you are a distillery with a uh, a visitor center uh, with tasting privileges, and if you have NQ two privileges or cocktail privileges, you can sell cocktails. You can open uh, one. A separate outside uh, uh, tasting room with the same privileges at another location. So let's say you are Green River Distillery in Owensboro, Kentucky. If you haven't tried Green River, it's delicious and and it's beautiful there. They can open a tasting room that sells their bottles, sells their merchandise, serves their their cocktails and their and their product by the drink um, in Louisville if they wanted to in downtown Louisville for people who can't maybe make it all the way to Owensboro that day. So that was super exciting. Same thing beer and wine can do, right? Then um, the other, couple other provisions in that bill, one, barrel-aged cocktails. So if you've ever been to a restaurant and on the menu is a barrel-aged Manhattan or something like that, those were technically not legal either because by law, Alcohol had to be dispensed from its original container, so by putting it in the barrel and then dispensing it af- after was was not quite legal. So that's all cleaned up. And then the other really exciting piece of this this legislation, which is great for tourism and festivals, that distilleries can go, can be at festivals and not only sell by the drink at the festivals, but they can sell by the bottle at the festivals. So great
2: listeners, tune into that now mm-hmm. because
1: got a couple festivals coming up yeah we do have a couple festivals coming up so <laughs> hopefully that festival is working on that right now
3: i believe I, that was one of the first calls we got we're from a few festivals that said, so we can do this right like, absolutely now i want to be clear that i'm pretty sure it was will be illegal and against festival rules to open oh. those bottles on festival grounds but yes the, the distilleries will be able to sell bottles oh, that's super exciting
1: well let's let's talk about the The KDA and the Bourbon Trail, Mandy, and how that's changed. When I first came on the Bourbon Trail, I think it was 2006, 2007.
0: You need to get back out there.
3: Yeah. There's a few more. There's a <laughs> few more distilleries on there.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail was formed in 1999, um, and it started with, I think, around six distilleries. We have 18 on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail today. In 2012, we started the Kentucky Bourbon Trail craft tour. There's 23 of those today. So that um, is a tour of the smaller distilleries um, and it's, it's kind of in line with our membership levels. We have heritage proof and craft members. So our craft members uh, fall into that category for the craft tour. Um, and they both have different experiences along the way. So for us, we have our passport program, which we've had from the beginning. Um, when you visit the Kentucky Bourbon Trail now, and this is new as of two years ago.
3: 2021.
0: Oh, well, a year ago. Um When you go to the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, and here's a little ASMR for you. (laughs) This is our new uh, Bourbon Trail Passport and Field Guide, which just came out recently. It has all of your Kentucky Bourbon Trail and craft tour distilleries in one place. Uh, Convenient for you. Um, You can get this stamped at each distillery that you visit. It's a 160-page book. It has cocktail recipes, uh, tasting notes, Trip planning materials. It's it's great. It's beautiful. The photography is amazing. And I'm not saying that because I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> Mandy always ends up in our photography. <laughs> it's called free talent. Yes. yes. So
1: what does this cost? Uh, somebody that comes on the trail.
0: Yeah. Um, so at the distillery, it's going to be um, less than if you bought it third party or online because we didn't want those to compete with our distilleries. Um, and what's the price for dis- at distilleries right now?
3: I think most distilleries are selling these for nine ninety nine, and that's because they realize you've already come to our distillery, so it's kind of a it, it's it's kind of a perk for you're here, and we want you to have this book, so we're going to sell it to you for a special price for coming all the way out here. But mm-hmm. it's also for sale at our online shop and at third party distilleries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the MSRP on it is fourteen ninety five.
1: But there's so much you get in here. It's like one of those little books that you get from your school kids that come and say, hey, I want to give you this coupon book for $25. Mm Mm-hmm but there's like thousands of dollars in that little coupon
0: book. Yeah. Uh, we were actually at Evan Williams a couple of weeks ago and we overheard a group talking uh, from Michigan and they had their book and we interrupted them obviously, because that's what we do. <laughs> and, and they were like, Oh man, look at this. I got it signed by Jimmy Russell and I have all my notes in here. And they said, we're going to keep this forever and we love it. So that's that, that, I mean, makes my job worth every ounce of blood, sweat, and tears that went into this. And
3: tell them about the stamps.
0: Oh, yeah. So on the KBT, um, just having this book in your possession unlocks special access. So if you remember years ago, you used to get a T-shirt for completing the entire Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Um, That is no longer, but at each distillery, it unlocks access to either... Buy a special bottle, take a special tour, uh, get a, a freebie. Everybody does it differently. So that's a really fun change. Um,
3: Sometimes they act, they add a little something special to your tasting.
0: Yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. That's super fun. Um, on the craft tour, though, it is broken down into different regions. Because if you could see it on a map, you could see um, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail distilleries are more located around... The center, the center of the state. So you've got Louisville, Bardstown, and Lexington. It, that's kind of our triangle uh, with Green River and Owensboro. Um, but the craft tour is spread out across the state further. So we've got a western region, a northern region, a central region, and a bluegrass region. And as you complete those regions, you get um, challenge coins, which are super fun. And then when you complete all of them, you get a stave tray um that you can either put the coins in or use for your glasses when you're entertaining. Uh so yeah, people love collecting those.
1: That's so much change from when I, I did it back then. Because <laughs> it was just like this like six little page book. I know. <laughs> with no bourbon education in there at all. Yeah. And I'm looking through this and it has so much bourbon knowledge inside there mm-hmm. just about about bourbon. Yeah. Um
3: and we come out with a new one each year because we we generally have more distilleries joining each year. So you get every year is the new addition. Now it doesn't change much, but it'll add like for this, this past year. So 2021. And then for 2022, we added Castle and Key, Log Still, Copper and Kings, and the Bard Distillery. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just keeps growing.
2: That's awesome. That's yeah. that's so great. So, I mean, yeah, people can pick them up at the distilleries and they should, mm-hmm. but they can also buy them online mm-hmm. and Use them to plan their trip.
3: Oh, absolutely. Yes. It actually has a little, you know, kind of gives you an idea of like, you know, how far this distillery is from that distillery. Because it's Mm -hmm. hard to know if you're not, if you're not familiar with it, if you're not from Kentucky, if you don't work in bourbon every day, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to know. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Um, We've had people ask if they can ride their horses to the distilleries, if they can walk to each one of them.
3: (laughs) You can walk to the urban ones. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So Louisville, if you just hit Main Street, you can hit. What is it, four or five, and a mile and a half? Uh, but yeah, for the most part, you need you need to either drive or book a car. Is our favorite. You ain't yes. walking
1: to Maker's Mark. No,
0: no, no, no.
1: <laughs> no. That one you could probably ride your horse to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be a long horse ride.
2: Ubers,
3: the Ubers are covered wagons. <laughs> <Maker's Mark.
1: laughs> so let's talk. I, I see a, a big board over here, and it talks about trail rules mm-hmm. that somebody's coming here, some things they should do uh, or expect on the trail, you mm-hmm. will make their experience better. What are those rules over there? Mandy? Yeah.
0: So I think um, sometimes people don't realize how much whiskey they can have access to not only at one distillery, but two, three, four, however many you're visiting that day. So it's really important to plan ahead, um, plan your rides, you know, bring your ID because all of our distilleries are going to check that. Um, you know, drink slowly, add water, uh, eat a decent meal, eat throughout the day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Frequently. Um, and just be, be kind and respectful to our distilleries who, you know, are going to work every day to welcome you in.
1: And I noticed on the very bottom there, it says leave room for what
0: bourbon balls. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So there's some history in this house right here, two bourbon balls. Yeah,
0: we have a very special connection. So in 1919, actually, Ruth Hanley Boo and Rebecca Gooch uh, invented the bourbon ball in the kitchen in this house. Um, Yeah, so if you look right across the street, uh, Rebecca Ruth is still operating right over there selling their bourbon balls every day. And this is actually our headquarters is actually
3: historically known as the Gooch house because it was... uh, Rebecca Gooch, Mm -hmm. Rebecca Gooch's family home. Mm -hmm. And Ruth Hanley Boo was her friend friend, Mm -hmm. and they quit teaching and they came here and legend has it. It took them two years to perfect the recipe.
1: They're not easy to make.
3: I can't. I can't imagine that they're. They're super easy to eat. Let me tell yeah. you right now.
1: Jim Jim makes them and I eat them. <laughs> nice.
2: Yes, yeah. it, it's it's. I won't say it's too difficult to make a bourbon ball. It is. It is hard to start with, but it's hard to make a good looking one.
3: Right. Right. Mm. So Especially they, after you eat a few,
0: yeah, yeah. you're not going to look good at all. Ice cream <laughs> scoop. Right. That's the trick.
2: I, you know, I I haven't really figured out the truth. <laughs> every time I make them, they, they I get like
1: ten that are beautiful and the rest of them are all boo-boos yeah well, I- let's, let's talk about boo-boos for our <laughs> listeners out there listen listeners when you come to the bourbon trail make sure when you go into reckon Becca ruth if in, if you're giving these away go ahead and buy the box ones that's fine but if you're just gonna eat them on the bourbon trail they got these ones called boo-boo it might be missing the pecan half the pecan it have a little dent in it where who knows what happened? <laughs> buy those boo-boos and eat them. Uh, by the pound. Buy the pound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something I didn't know. You didn't know they sold those there? <laughs> no. Yeah, you can get several different flavors from Jim Bean, Maker's Mark, mm. Old Forester,
3: Evan nice. Williams. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: Um we always have them at our house for guests. And they're like, what is this? It's a little chocolate treat for you
0: <laughs> <laughs> to
1: go with the bourbon that's up on the wall. <laughs> yeah.
0: We also love Art Eatables and their bourbon truffles. Those are so good.
1: Bourbon truffles. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they don't have... The nuts, they're a nut-free facility. Yeah. Uh, but they do the truffle that's covered in the chocolate. And they, they are boozy. <laughs> <laughs> they are really good. They are delicious. <laughs> hey, Meanie,
3: just for people that don't know, mm-hmm. um, since I'm taking over the podcast right now, <laughs> just for people that don't know much about the Kentucky Bourbon Trail or touring a bourbon distillery or an experience like how many could you do in a day? I mean, what's realistic here?
0: Yeah. I mean, it depends on where you're focusing your attentions. Like we said in Louisville, if you're if you're just wanting to stop into the gift shops and walk that experience, you could hit four or five maybe. Um if you're doing full full tours, I would say it's more like two or three. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because you really have to consider drive time and then how much time you're going to spend there. Because if you go to Bardstown Bourbon Company and you do a tour, you do a cocktail class, you have a meal. I mean, that's that's kind of an afternoon right there. If you want to do it that way, yeah, exactly. Well, let's
1: talk about that for a second Mm -hmm. because listeners think that you just show up here and go ahead and get a tour. Mm -hmm. That's not the case right now, right?
0: Uh, especially on the weekends, yes, our, our distilleries are very busy right now. I think there's a little revenge tourism going on <laughs> <laughs> from this pandemic. Um, so, yes, if, if you are wanting to come to Kentucky for bourbon, please book ahead. Book your hotel, book your tours, book any experience, book your restaurant reservations, anything you want to do, book it now.
2: Now, people who have been to Napa Valley on a trip know that that's the way it's done anyway Mm -hmm. if you try to go to napa valley and just show up Mm -hmm. you're not going to get into any wineries Mm -hmm. so you know we need to be very conscious of that here and understand that there's a lot of people hitting the road people are Tired of being cooped up,
3: mm-hmm. and these experiences are really—they're a lot of fun. They're very educational. They're—they're they're very unique to from distillery to distillery. And we always—we we always encourage you know go online or or call and just find out what they've got going on. Hey, I'm going to be in town in a couple of weeks. Do you have anything available? What do you have available? Because it's different from distillery to distillery, and you might find that some of the smaller craft distilleries could take. A walk-in but some place that that gets a lot of traffic is is going to be pretty booked up sure for for you know a month or two um but we uh mandy does a really good job with the kentucky bourbon trail website you can go on there and see um she's got itineraries on there so if i'm going to be in the bardstown area she'll put a little itinerary on we'll eat here and you know you know while, while you're not at a distillery check out this place to shop or you know different things like that
2: so you did the recon
3: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I told you <laughs> our jobs are hard, you guys.
1: Yeah, so let's go ahead and get another pour going, even though Mandy barely touched her <laughs> Angel's envy.
2: Hey,
0: somebody had a heavy hand pouring my drink.
1: <laughs> I
2: think she drank half of it. You just can't.
1: It's still a lot left,
0: Mike, yeah. you can pour it out there. It was a lot. Well,
1: I brought a really special bottle. Uh, a lot of people's bourbon of the year for 2021. It wasn't our bourbon of the year for 2021. Uh, we picked Maker's Mark Fay 02, but a lot of people picked this right here uh, as their bourbon of the year for last year. Now, this is uh, a 13-year-old uh, Russell's Reserve.
3: Nice. We just thought we'd have you guys over every Monday. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> they come bearing gifts.
2: I thought about that. That's, that's a pretty cool way to start your week, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Monday.
1: Tea, Cheer- tea off the rest of the week with,
2: with Cheers some to Monday.
1: <laughs> now, Mandy, you haven't had this before.
0: I have not. Have you had this I've yet? not had the 13. No. no. I'm excited.
1: Well, as you can tell by that bottle, I've had it before. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we did a review of this recently, didn't we? Mm-hmm.
3: So yeah. what do you guys tell me about your tasty notes on this one?
2: I'm trying to remember what my tasting notes were. That's not the way to do it, though. The best way to do it is just drink it again yeah, yeah. <laughs> and give your new notes because they will change.
3: <laughs> Isn't it funny yeah. how it changes? We've been at events in the morning where you have to do it. You don't have to, but they'll have a tasting at this event. It's groundbreaking or some sort of launch. And my palate is not ready in the morning. And maybe that sounds weird to some people, but it is just not ready. But the same bourbon will taste delicious, you know, 630 that evening
2: yeah there's a couple of things that can really embarrass you one is (laughs) to review something for the second time it'd be totally opposite which happens it happens to both of us it happens to Mm -hmm. us all the time the other thing is blind tastings where you go that's a wild turkey and it turns out to be something altogether different you're like oh that was my daily drinker wild turkey and i I pick something else. You know, or <gasps> it just
3: happens. Isn't that crazy? I have a story about a very well-known bourbon person, personality that was at a blind tasting. And of all of them chose the greatest one in there. And it turned out to be Maker's Mark. Yeah. And you know, no well-known bourbon personality is just going to say Maker's Mark is the greatest one.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah you, I mean, it just yeah. happens. It really does. Maker's Mark is fantastic mm-hmm. bourbon. Mm-hmm. It's really good yeah. bourbon. But you put it into a blind, and it usually fares really well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I have a question for you guys. When you're doing tasting notes on whiskeys, are there any words that you don't use? Noob, noob words that you just I, don't use?
1: I don't like to use – Uh, and Whiskey University is not – Moonshine University is not going to like this. I don't <laughs> like the whiskey wheel. Um, mm-hmm. I I really – Think it's overused. Um, notes should come from what's up in here—that mm-hmm. memory um, when you were a child or a young adult, and you ate something, um, you smelled something, you walked down a road and you smelled honeysuckle. I always get some honeysuckle on stuff or roses mm-hmm. that I might have bought my wife, and I always like to smell a rose. You know, if I'm giving my wife roses, I don't want them to stink, so I'll smell them. Well,
3: good thinking. Uh,
1: yeah, um, but. Cereals is big with me, some kind of candy, mm. something like that. Um, I want that experience. Jim has senior, cedar cedar notes or Neko candy. Uh we might from our childhood say whorehound uh candy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um sorghum molasses. You know, I yeah. want to hear something. When I somebody says something like that, or they said I heard uh somebody the other day they said runts. Oh, banana, isn't that banana, funny? And they were like, it's artificial banana flavor mm. It's different from a real banana flavor.
3: Right. Was it for Maker uh, for Old Forester? Because I get banana Laffy Taffy and Old Forester. I actually think it
1: was from that. It yeah. is
3: crazy.
1: And I've said banana Laffy Taffy before. Um, but that's the kind of bourbon notes we would both prefer to Mm -hmm. hear somebody say I would anyways. Um, you're always going to get some Oak and some vanilla caramel.
3: Caramel. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But to me, that's that person that went to that wheel and said, okay, these are going to, I studied it. I understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, and this can be expressed usually like,
2: um, I'm getting a lot of oak or I'm getting a lot of grain or I'm getting a lot of fruit or I'm getting a lot of floral, you know, those four things, we, we use those, but we don't dive deeper into those. You know, it's usually once we say that we'll say, you know, and uh, honey smack or whatever, whatever it is.
3: (laughs) But I think, I think that, you know, having a wheel or a list might help you if you're like, Oh, it's this, it's this. I can't think of what that, what is that I'm getting. It might help you like trigger that. But I'll tell you, we were, uh, at maker's mark doing a private selection with chris morris great day and he was go we he went through one of the blends that they did and he said I, he distinctly tasted cocoa puffs and i'm thinking when's the last time you had cocoa puffs <laughs> and that's chris morris, he picked out, chris morris <laughs> cocoa puffs and then i was talking to a bartender one time and she kept telling me she loved scotch and she was awfully young so I thought, do you really love scotch? She said, oh, I love scotch because my grandfather used to keep a, p- a pouch of tobacco in his po- in his pocket, in his breast pocket, and I used to sit on his lap. And that's all I think of when I drink scotch. And I thought, that's what it is. That's exactly remember, what you're saying.
1: Yeah. That's And when we talk to people about bourbon, if we do a, a, an event at a house or out at Bourbon on the Banks and people ask us, what do you get in this? Or how do I taste like that? I said, I want you to close your eyes and take that smell of that bourbon, that nose, and think back what it smells like to you. Does it smell like toasted marshmallows in a campfire? Mm-hmm. Uh, does it taste like that favorite cereal? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one day, my wife loves cornflakes. Uh, she <laughs> says, stay away from my cornflakes. Don't eat them. <laughs> um, but I bought her some, and I poured them into one of those like cereal Tupperware things. Or um, And when I, I sniffed it, and I was like, oh, it smells like cornflakes. So what me and him did Uh, Review probably two or three days later, and I was like, Man, this smells like (laughs) cornflakes. I had that memory stuck in my head. Um, So I think that's the way I like to tell people to drink their bourbon is drink it like that, enjoy it, you know, and try to open that up and stuff. My little brother recently got into bourbon and he sent me a picture of him holding a box of sugar smackums because he said, I finally got what you were talking about. Um, I called burger. them Honey Smackums, didn't I? Yeah.
2: It's Sh- Honey Nut Cheerios. Honey Nut Cheerios, yeah. Sugar Smackums. I, I think it right. it's
0: Sugar Smacks.
2: Yeah. Uh, he calls them
1: Smackums. Smackums. Sugar <laughs> he's, Smackums. he got, <laughs> got, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got that frog. Yeah. Well,
3: that's what I'm going to call him from now on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what Jim and I got on this uh, Russell's Reserve 13 year when we did our review of it um, was on the nose, we said toffee, dark cherries, honey, tea, and vanilla. And there was hints of chocolate and oak. Hmm. Um, that's what we got on our nose. On the palate, we got spiced gumdrops, which mm. is oh. going to easily come up with us.
3: Yeah.
1: Honey tea uh, with such an overwhelming sweetness to it. Maybe like that hot winter tea you're going to get and you put honey into. Um, cinnamon with waves of chocolate, oak, and car- caramel. It, it's. We said it was very complex with layer after layer. Uh, of new wonderful flavors. You know, we could, this is the kind of whiskey you could sit down with for hours and just talk about it and sip on it and really try to understand those layers of what Eddie and Jimmy were really getting at when they put it in a barrel.
0: Yeah, it keeps changing. Yeah, it does. And it is delicious. And I feel like this has more of Eddie than Jimmy, right? Because doesn't Jimmy think 10 years is the max?
3: I've been at private selections with Jimmy and this is like Everybody's like, "Oh, I'm getting some cherry. Oh, I'm getting this." And he was like, "I don't like it."
0: <laughs> <laughs> what
3: don't you like it about Jimmy? I don't know. It just doesn't taste good. <laughs> okay, we'll try something else. I like number two. Well, what do you like about it? Just tastes good. <laughs> I'm like, and and that's just how it You is. Can't argue with the man. <laughs> Can't argue with that. And I'm not arguing with this for sure. This is delicious. Very good.
1: So. Don't no hey. messing around with Jimmy. He knows what he likes. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that you, and you're not going to find this bottle in Kentucky. If you're coming here for a bourbon pilgrimage, don't expect to find these awesome, amazing bottles here. There's just too many people here trying to grab them and stuff.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: don't get upset at the store owner or at the distillery when they don't have those bottles. If you want to get a bottle and you both ladies probably know this, you better get to the distillery way before they open up.
0: You have to camp for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Bring, your, bring your rain jacket, bring a chair, uh, bring a book or your phone. Sometimes your phone won't work like down at Castle and Key. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's so far down in there. Um, but you can't just show up and say, oh, I'm going to get this. It's not going to happen. Yeah. If a podcast like ours said that um, Castle and Key batch two might be the bourbon of the year, we did say that. We did. Um, you better believe we do know what we're talking about. And people are going to line up to try to get that bottle as fast as possible.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Now, I do like to let people know, especially if you're new to bourbon. And even if you're not, you don't have to get these special cra- crazy unicorn bottles. Not that they all are. But, you know, there's so much out there that is absolutely delicious. I did a, I designed a flight for a bar in Louisville. And I did it all with just kind of, um, your everydays because it's, because we all have an everyday that you can get anytime you need it, anytime you want it. And, and, and you love working with it and you love the taste. And I think that's also very, very important too. These great bottles are just absolutely fantastic, but there's just so many really fantastic ones on the shelf.
2: Yeah, there's plenty to take home from here. There are Kentucky-only releases as well, mm-hmm. things that can only be had in Kentucky. So when you come here, make sure you pick up some of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of our distilleries have some kind of a Kentucky-only available release or a gift shop-only release that you can pick up. There's also some small distilleries that are just knocking it out of the park. I mean,
1: craziness. Absolutely, What yes. What are two distilleries right now that you think, like craft distilleries, that you just think are hitting it up? you know, batting a hundred.
3: So many. I know. And it's so hard to choose. I will tell you, it's so hard to, it's so hard. I mean, I would name them so many. You cannot go wrong with Kentucky peerless, Mm -hmm. no matter what they do on which day of the week, you cannot go wrong. Caleb Kilburn has wanted to be a distiller since it's the only thing he's ever wanted to be when he grew up. And he is unbelievable. And I think he is arguably, arguably was maybe the youngest distiller uh, head I think it's between Kentucky. him and Royce nearly. Well, he was there first before. So maybe he okay. was before Royce came on. But I, I think, mean, he yeah, might yeah. be 30 now. I don't know. But that that kid is brilliant. I said that kid. <laughs> How old am I? <laughs> uh, he's brilliant. He is just the best. He makes. S- oh, it's so delicious. Um, and then, you know, I, 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 I have not tried it yet. Uh, Bro Brothers just became the official bourbon of the Great Steamboat Race. Really? Kind yeah. of a big deal. Yeah. 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 And you want to talk about from the ground up. That's three brothers that did this all on their own from the ground up. And they're in uh they're in uh the West end of Louisville.
0: Um, New riff up in North Kentucky. Oh oh, yeah. New riff, wow, so special. Yeah, so good.
2: They're putting out a few barrels. Just uh, a just a few. Just a few.
3: Yeah. I'll tell you what. They're they're <laughs> all. Here's the thing, though. Like in, in my line of work, I've worked with so many entrepreneurs that have gotten into this business, and I know enough about getting into this business to know that I would never do it. Just the the just. This is one of the most highly regulated industries in the United States. Top three. It, it's red tape everywhere you turn it's paperwork everywhere you turn you know you, you you take two steps forward trying to start this you take three back it is just you're banging your head on the wall you're not making any money for how many years you're trying to get a product on the shelf it's just hard it is hard but they are doing it and it's just when you get to cut a ribbon on a on a on a distillery or they, or they put their first product on the shelf or they get an award or review. You just got to think what went into that. And it is, it is truly, truly so much heart that goes into these, these craft guys that, that are coming up starting from scratch like that.
1: Well, ladies, we can't thank you enough for this conversation and letting our listeners know about the distillery trail. Um, You know, it's important to us to get that story told, to get that information out there, to get it on our website, to get it on the podcast for listeners and stuff. Um, but we really appreciate you coming on, inviting us into your house. Um, now, you guys, before we started, you guys have a gift basket sitting on the table, I noticed. What yes. What is that?
0: Yeah, so um, we should have mentioned earlier the Fraser Museum in downtown Louisville is our official welcome center and starting point at the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. So we have four tickets to um, our exhibit there and the entire museum. Uh, we have four of our Bourbon Trail field guide and passports that we talked about earlier, a bag of grilling chips because grilling season is coming up soon, and a Tervis tumbler for you guys.
1: Well, we're going to pair with that, a bottle that you can only get here in Kentucky, Jim. And what would that be?
2: Well, there's a few, but I, I know what you're getting at here. This is going to be JTS Brown Bottle and Bond.
1: Yeah, JTS yeah. Brown Bottled Bond 100 Proofer, a super respectful bourbon that anybody should have on their shelf. Um, but we want to make sure whoever gets that basket gets that bottle of bourbon too to start their trip out here in Kentucky perfectly.
2: Uh, it's a great it's a great basket to put in put in your car and head this way. Bring three <laughs> of your favorite people. Yeah, uh, and uh, enjoy enjoy the time here. You, know, I think that's it, it, pretty darn good value there. I and mean, there's a, there's a, there's a lot in that basket, and to have that bottle of JTS Brown to kick off your trip with, how's that?
1: Yeah, perfect. So Don't let's, drive. Don't don't drive while you're doing
3: it. Plan your trip. Plan your rides. (laughs) So,
1: listeners, so what you got to do to win this um, gift basket and bottle of bourbon is you got to be 21. You got to reside in the United States of America. Um, You got to follow KDA. That's Kentucky Distillers Association on Instagram. I'm sure they would appreciate that follow.
0: Um, Let's say Kentucky Bourbon Trail, Kentucky
1: Bourbon Trail,
0: or KY Bourbon, or KY Bourbon. Yeah. All
1: right, let's do that. Either Uh, one. Follow those, and then follow us if you would, if you're not already um, on Instagram. Um, We'll pick one lucky winner at the end of the day. What we need you to do is go ahead and tell us. um, Well, hey, just tell us, show us, you say, hey, followed and in on this. And we'll pick a winner at the end of the day at 10 o'clock at night on uh, the day of this release, which was this Wednesday.
2: Okay. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll randomize something and we'll pick a winner out of the list. Awesome. Perfect. Well, I think uh, some lucky winner will be happy to get this, no doubt about
1: it. I was going to give them some, I wanted to give them some history, but that first person kind of ruins that thing. You know, we only do that one person. But an all day event from the time we make our first post on Instagram until the very end on Instagram at 10 o'clock at night, I'll pick a winner and uh, you'll get this great basket in the mail from us.
2: That's awesome. That's great. (laughs) Well, ladies, I think we'd also like to make sure we we get the information out there of how people can learn more about the KDA, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, Kentucky Bourbon. Uh, Where do people need to go? What do they need to do to find out everything there is to know about the organization?
0: Yeah. Um, So if you're interested in the KDA in general, um, our website, kybourbon.com, is a great place to start. Uh, We have great resources for the consumer who wants to know more about bourbon and how to taste it and recipes. Uh, But we also have a lot of good industry information, economic impact info, membership information there as well. Um, Or if you're looking to come and visit KentuckyBourbonTrail.com is a great place to go or visit our shop and gear up before you come.
1: Awesome. Well, Mike, where can people find us on the internet? Well, you know, you can find us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, man, I don't know where else. A lot of other places. YouTube, uh, The Bourbon Road. That's It's pretty easy. Yeah. The Bourbon Road, The Bourbon Road, however you want to say it, find us there. Give us a follow. Uh, We also have a private Facebook group called The Bourbon Roadies on Facebook. 2,600 people in there of like-minded bourbon drinkers. Um, We got three easy rules in there. Do you drink bourbon? Uh, Of course everybody wants to drink bourbon. Are you 21? That's kind of the standard, right? And do you agree to play nice because we don't tolerate what in there, Jim?
2: No rudeness, no rudeness. So everybody gets to drink what they want to drink, right? And if somebody comes in there and they're talking about that bottom shelf bottle they just had and how much they liked it, you leave them be. That's their whiskey. They chose to pay the money for it and they get to enjoy it. And uh, there's a lot of great, and we've, we've shown people, there's a lot of great bottles on that bottom shelf. Heck yeah. And uh, if you're drinking from the top of the shelf, same thing goes. Nobody needs to give you shame for Popping in the top on a $200 bottle, right? Nope. All right. Well, be nice in there. Lift each other up. If you don't, you won't last long. We've got uh, three very aggressive moderators <laughs> who will uh, will have you out of the group pretty quick. We'd love you to stay there, though. It's always good friends. No doubt about it. We do two shows a week. Every Monday, we do a craft distillery episode. We'll have a young, aspiring craft distillery on, trying to shine some light on them. Sometimes it's a big boy, but usually it's a small craft distillery that needs a leg up. We'll taste their bourbon. We'll tell you what we think about it. We'll let you know whether or not you ought to add that one to your bar. Every Wednesday, we'll do a long version show like today's. We'll have guests on. We'll drink through several bottles. We'll explore a, a, a deep topic You know, like today. What a great show, ladies. We really had a wonderful time with you. But we'd love to have people listen to both shows every week. And, Mike, how can they be sure not to miss a single show?
1: What you want to do, listener, is go ahead and scroll up to the top of that app, whatever app that is you're listening to on Apple, Amazon, Spotify. Hit that subscribe button, that check sign, that plus sign, whatever it is, so your app will tell you these two guys got a show out right now. Then we want you to scroll on down, hit that five star review, leave us some comments. You know what's going to happen if you don't. The Big Bad Booty Daddy, a bourbon's going to come to your house. These four bottles we're going to drink all night long. By the end of the night, you're going to give us that five star review and some comments I guarantee. But no, seriously, those comments, that five star review opens up doors to distilleries for us. Gets us in there. Gets great guests on the show. Gets great whiskey in our hands to review we would appreciate it
2: now mike or, i are very approachable uh, if you see us out in town make sure you come up and give us a shout out you can always uh send us a comment or a suggestion on our website on our contact us page send us an email i'm jim at the bourbon he's mike at the bourbon road.com like we always say probably the best way is to hit up our dms on instagram I'm Jay Shannon 63. I'm Big Bourbon Chief. And we'll see you down. The Bourbon Road.